And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So I gave a whole spiel at the end of the last episode about how I'm not going to be doing post-game shows this year and we're changing the format of the show and now I'm sitting here and it's 11 p.m. and I'm in the office and I'm doing a post-game show after the first game of the year because the first game of the year deserves a post-game show. We're not doing this regularly like I said, but the first game of the year deserves a post-game show, even though... The Wizards lost 113-107 to the 76ers. Uh, Joel Embiid at 29-14 really dominated down the stretch in the second half. But but obviously, we're going to be talking a lot about Russell Westbrook, who had a triple-double in his first game with the Wizards. 21-11 boards and 15 assists. He was 9-22 from the field. Bradley Beal had 31 on 22 shots. Thomas Bryan, I thought, struggled. Uh, he had 10-5, and and he was in foul trouble. Uh, Bertans hit four threes off the bench, and... Played 20 minutes, but you know, looked like his normal self. Didn't look out of shape. It looked like his normal self in his 20 minutes. And on the Skype line is my Skype socially distanced friend, Ben Standick. I think you should make a rule. You have to do a, a post-game podcast whenever Westbrook has a triple-double or doesn't make a three-pointer. But He did both tonight, so I think that should be the rule. All right. Here's your Russell Westbrook style of the night. The triple-doubles are not a Russell Westbrook stat of the night. They're a thing that I'll tweet out every time they happen because they're Russell Westbrook triple-doubles, and he has 140 million of them in his career. And he's 14 away from the all-time franchise career record now, by the way, which Daryl Walker has at 15. He is is one Wizards triple-double. Like, his next game, they play Orlando on Saturday. And that's his second game as a wizard. He has a chance to tie Bradley Beal on the all-time Wizards triple-double list. So there, <laughs> that's how easy this is going to be for Westbrook oh, to climb amazing. his way up the list. It really is, right? Um, he shot. Here's your Westbrook stat of the night. Six for 13 on mid-range shots. I mean, so I did a story on what day is it now? It's Wednesday. Oh, right. I did a story for today. It was up Wednesday morning at the Athletic DC. I'll probably have a story that's up Thursday morning, so you might have to dig past that, but it'll be there. Five bold predictions for the upcoming season. And one of my bold predictions was that the Wizards would have a top 10 offense and they would lead the league in mid-range shots. Westbrook took 13 of them. They took 24 as a team. For context, the Spurs took the most mid-range shots per game last year. I think they took 22 a game. So 24 is like, that's a lot of mid-range shots. They made them. They were 13 to 24. You're not going to shoot that well on them every night. And not all mid-range shots are created equal. But it was a nice little look into the offense. The Wizards are going to take a lot of mid-range shots this year, I think. I think they're going to live there. I think they're going to live there a lot. You know, I think one thing that's interesting about the NBA, I remember... This was sort of at the beginning of when uh, this was when Randy Whitman was still the coach, and there were a lot of people who used to give Randy Whitman grief because the Wizards weren't becoming one of those teams that was shooting the three pointers. That was all the rage. They had a team that had you know Marching Gortat, Nene, and uh, uh, John Wall, which so therefore it didn't make sense to shoot threes. But because people just wanted them to shoot threes because that's what everyone was doing, they just couldn't out- understand it. And then it became a point where obviously everybody in the league essentially shoots threes to the point where it felt like it did to some degree become overly like o- overdone like it, you know like you know just bypassing open shots elsewhere or opportunities elsewhere but sometimes you got to play to the strengths of your players and you know look if i hear one person this year complain that russell westbrook's taking shots inside the arc instead of outside i'm gonna punt them like look at his three-point percentage and then see what he can do Closer to the basket. I mean, it's not even, you know, if if he feel, if, if it feels makes sense for him to do it there or the team does, I, I by and large, am not going to have an, an issue with it or with anybody doing that. You just, you know, you don't want the foot in front of the line. But beyond that, if yeah, if, if it's more comfortable for him to do that. And like with him in particular, 
anything going towards the basket <laughs> is going to be better for me. Yeah, and the thing is, it actually look for when you have a conversation about analytics and efficiency and how it relates to shot selection. You can't just have it in broad terms and and have everybody try to fit that same cookie cutter mold, right? Like you have to have that conversation based on how it fits the particular player. Now, Thomas Bryant took two quick mid-range shots in this game that I was like, no way. Those are not, and Thomas Bryant's a good mid-range shooter, by the way. I mean, he's capable of hitting more than 40% of his mid-range shots. And I'm like, no way. Thomas Bryant should be spacing out further than that. He'll be spacing the floor further than that. Your lead ball handlers get different leeway because number one, when your mid-range, your mid-lead ball handlers are taking mid-range shots, they're coming in different ways. When Thomas Bryan takes a mid-range shot, it's often coming because he's spacing the 19 feet when he should be spacing the 24. And when he spaces to 24, he's providing more room for driving lanes for people like Westbrook and for Beal. So that's number one. Number two, they're coming at different times in the offense. And number three, with Westbrook specifically. So Westbrook was what, like 25, 26% on threes. I, I got to do math for a second. But he was like 25, 26% on threes last year. And his three-point shot has just taken a major dive. That's 0.75 points per possession, right? I mean, that's that's really, really not good. And if you look at the 16-footers or so, he's actually like 38% on those shots, which is nothing spectacular at all. But guess what? That's basically exactly the same as a 25% three-point shot. So if he feels good going into that pull-up 16-footer, I'm not arguing that's a good shot. What I'm arguing is it's not actually that different than him taking a three. So, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. He can get hot from there. He got a little bit hot from there at, at points tonight. And I thought overall he played well. I thought he, he played offensively. I thought he played quite well. I thought he made some great passes. I thought he and Beal worked for the first time of them playing actual meaningful minutes together. I thought he and Beal were pretty good. I thought Westbrook was pretty deferential offensively down the stretch. I mean, I think you could argue we could have taken over a little bit more. Uh, I, I thought Beal didn't do as much kind of off-ball scurrying as I anticipated, but I bet you they work more of that in as those two guys get more and more comfortable with each other moving forward. But, but I thought offensively, like it, it looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. And and I thought they were like, I think that's going to work. I think that's going to work. I really do. Uh, You know, I normally, you know, game one of the NBA season, plus you have a guy like Westbrook coming in. Like I'd be pretty jacked, you know, for this game. Um, My, my day job was a little bit busy. (laughs) Uh, today as, as people may have heard with the uh the quarterback uh so i was writing up until you know even through the start of this game and i was catching up so when i started to watch it i wasn't like i didn't have that same type of anticipation i was just watching it and you know there's so much has been made about that westbrook and wall in many ways are very similar type of players a lot of energy a lot of you know full court up tempo but you know not as good three-point shooters but just you know they're, they're gonna run past guys and so I think from that perspective, like even though I'm aware that Russell Westbrook and John Wall, you know, don't look alike and they're different people, it did feel very familiar to me in, in certain ways. Again, I'm not saying Wall and Westbrook are the same guy, but just in terms of the the, the, the overall general dynamic. And I guess the one thing that was interesting was last year to me basically didn't happen. Like we've now gone back to when the point when there was a point that John Wall was playing with. Bradley Beal, because this is what that was like to see Bradley Beal out there with another guy, all-star level player was frankly nice to see just to, you know, just to, just to see him, uh, you know, play off another player and, and, you know, not have, you know, the defense is, you know, eye him up the whole time because there's not, there's nothing else uh, to, to, to do. So I, I, to me, it was, yeah, it was, it felt pretty comfortable to my vision. And therefore I think, you know, how they were, how they were conducting each other um, as well. And look, they both, you know, they, they dominated the ball. That's what's going to happen. They took most of the shots. That's what's going to happen. Uh, they basically took exactly or one shy of half their, the wizard shots. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we'll see how that goes over time. But, yeah, they, it, it looked, all things considered, a little practice, they looked pretty, it looked, looked pretty normal out there. Yeah. 
It did. It did. It, they looked pretty cohesive. Uh, you know, I, one thing that I really appreciated was just right off the bat, first play of the game, Beals in the corner, Westbrook gives it up to Thomas Bryant, and the first play the Wizards run is Westbrook coming down to the right side when Beal's in the right corner, and Westbrook setting a pin down for Beal, and Beal runs off a couple of pin downs and curls, gets the ball, and ends up hitting a little floater. I was like, okay. Russ is setting screens for Beal. And one of the things I've always thought was interesting about Russ's game is Westbrook is, he's not, people talk about him as unwilling off the ball and an unwilling screener. And that's not the case. If you actually break it down, he's actually, he will set screens on preset plays, out of timeout plays, plays when they run to open games, that kind of stuff. And he'll cut on out of timeout plays. Like when a coach actually calls a play, here's here is what we are running. I'm drawing it up. This is the play we're running out of the timeout. He cuts, he runs off screens, he sets screens, he does all those things. It's the improvisational work where it doesn't happen as much. And uh you know, that was first play of the game. That was a that was a pre-called play. They knew what they were doing the first play of the game. And we didn't see that really as much throughout the game. But every once in a while, you'd see a little Westbrook pick for often for Beal. You'd see a little Beal pick for Westbrook. I think we're going to see more of that. That's my guess. That's my guess. I think we're going to see more of that. I, now, the worst play of the game was Westbrook and Thomas Bryant miscommunicating on its 107-105 with 33 seconds left. And Philly has the ball. They bring it down court. And they end up getting a wide open, you know, the Wizards don't have to foul. They can get a stop and get the ball back down two, with, you know, a decent amount of time left. Even if Philly runs the whole clock down, they can get it back with, what, nine seconds left. Uh, and uh, Ben Simmons ends up, you know, Philly runs a after timeout play. And Doc Rivers is the king of after timeout plays. And they run a really clever play. And... Westbrook and Thomas Bryant just bungle a rotation. Westbrook ends up leaving Simmons right under the basket. Thomas Bryant gets caught in no man's land. I don't know who miscommunicated with whom there. It's kind of hard to tell on a play like that. I tend to say they both messed up. Uh, But Ben Simmons ends up getting a wide open basket. And like those are the plays where it's like it's opening day. Russ didn't play in the preseason. He played 17 minutes. You don't have those times to communicate. Those are the plays where I'm like, all right. I mean, look, the Wizards defense did that all the time last year. But those are the plays where I'm like, they they have not played together. Because that was an ultimate, these guys don't know where the other one's going play. Yeah. No, that that, that was a pretty noticeable one. I um, While we were waiting post-game, or right after post-game, um, waiting to for the, the team to come onto the Zoom, I, I tweeted out just something basic. Uh, they lost, but entertaining and intriguing. Hashtag Wizards Twitter thoughts. And I got like ratioed, basically. It was a lot of people intrigued by this. It felt like more than normal. I don't, and I haven't, haven't even been tweeting much about the Wizards uh, during the preseason. Uh, but of the dozens of comments that I received, many of them were some form of Thomas Bryant defense. They need to fix that. So on and so on. And, and like even you know, to your point about you know, with that specific dynamic of those two guys is going to take a minute. Um, it's obviously the rib protection is, you know, the, the, the center, uh, the defense, the set, the defense at, from the center position is something that we've talked about, um, you know, all last year for sure. And it will be interesting, I think, on some level, if they get, they reach a point where, you know, Robin Lopez becomes, the answer, I know Tommy Shepard, I think I asked him, I remember this because I think I asked him the question, you know, after they got Lopez, like, could Lopez, you know, be in the mix to start? He said, no, Thomas Bryant's the guy, and I'm not arguing that he that he isn't. But, you know, they're starting, and then there's also finishing, and I do, part of me does wonder at some point, is Robin Lopez getting there? But whatever, it's way too early for that, I, and he wasn't exactly, uh, you know, killing it tonight, but I'm just saying that, 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 that that'll be, for me, like something to watch, because it feels like, between Westbrook, Beal, Bertans, and you can kind of pick, you know, Den- you know, Denny or, or, or Rui or you know whoever's going to be hot. But that center spot defensively, what are they doing there? That that's going to be a big one for if there's really talk of this team, you know, contending in a, you know in some meaningful way. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's true, and and 
they've put a lot of eggs in Thomas Bryant's basket. And and, and look, it's a little you know what? I, I was gonna say it's a little unfair to judge Thomas Bryant off of one performance against Joel Embiid. Hundred percent, yeah. Which is like true in a vacuum, but we're not judging Thomas Bryant off of one game against Joel Embiid, right? We're we're judging him off of the previous couple of years with the Wizards too. Right. I do believe Thomas Bryant is an improved defender. The question is not whether or not he's improved. I think he's better. I really do. I think the Wizards are correct in that assessment. The question is, is he improved enough? And to that one, I just don't know the answer. Because he has to improve a certain amount defensively to really hit like a threshold of of what you need out of your starting center. Because also with Bryant, what he does, and what I think is interesting with the Wizards' centers is... It's, it's not so as much about quality of defense with those guys. To me, the conversation also can turn to the style of defense that they play. Because let's say, for example, you're in a playoff series. It doesn't even have to be a playoff series. You're playing a team. You're playing the Clippers, let's say. And Kawhi Leonard is just killing you on pull-ups. Or you're playing the Warriors. And Stephen Curry is just killing you on these screen and rolls and pulling up from three. Right? Damian Lillard, you're playing the Blazers. Right? Killing you on those plays. They're putting Thomas Bryant in pick and roll. And they're doing that. Thomas Bryant, you kind of have to play a drop coverage with. You kind of have to keep him around the rim. And your defensive enforcement in that case will be putting in, if you want to stay with a conventional center, will be putting in Robin Lopez, who you also need to keep around the rim. And so I'm honestly more intrigued, and this wasn't the case tonight, but I'm more intrigued by what they end up doing when they need defense against like a team that doesn't heavily rely on their center. Like I'm intrigued to see how often they go small, like really small, and see what happens there, you know? I'm intrigued to see how much, like, four Denny ends up playing. Denny ends up playing. I thought he was good defensively, by the way. He's a good defensive rookie. Well, like, he knows how to play. I, I was going to say that I don't know exactly how many minutes we are under this podcast, but if you know, if, if you want me to be a regular part of the podcast this year, just, just be clear up front, this will be a Denny Avdia podcast. Because <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all in. I... I, I uh, I'm, I may I may change my uh, Twitter account to um, you know at Denny Avdia fan or something I don't know like I'm so 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 impressed uh, by what I saw I mean you know you see in the preseason okay whatever but like you know that he was really good I mean the stats are not whatever but um, he did lead the team in plus minus which again is not a great stat but interesting um, yeah I mean I tweeted this at one point like we kept talking about. Well, if you keep Bertans, you know how do you, you know, how do you work that out between Bertans, Rui Hachimura? You know, you have two guys who are mostly kind of fours. Neither one is a five. How do you work that out? And I was like, oh yeah, here's how you work that out. You just play Denny <laughs> with with Bertans and and move on. I was I really uh, uh, his passing is good. He understands angles on both ends of the court. Uh, you know, he you know he made both of his shots, which is you know only two shots, but both were threes. And we saw that he made threes during during the preseason. Uh, well, I'm very impressed uh, by, by by what we're seeing from him. The level of confidence and the skill and the, and the instincts are really good. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm in. I mean, how you you were on the Zoom? With, were you on the Zoom with him after the game, or were you in the other room? I uh, stayed in the other room. Okay, so you were not there for the ridiculously awkward question <laughs> question to lead off his Zoom. With someone repeatedly asking him basically why he only took two shots tonight. And him just kind of saying, uh, you know, Denny does a thing. I always like it when players do this. Um, Steven Adams used to do this all the time. Denny, Denny does a thing where if he doesn't 100% completely understand your question, he will ask you to clarify it. And if you're asking something in a bad way, I, I asked him something that was crappily phrased like, Earlier this week or last week, I forget what my timing is on this, but it was might have been last week. And I asked Denny a question, and he basically said to me, he said to me that he just didn't understand it. And I was like, "Yeah, I phrased that terribly. Like that, 
that was really bad phrasing. That's fine. I like when a player does that. It gets you more point. It means they're actually listening to you and they would like to give you a real answer to your question. I like that he answers questions for real. And this guy just kept asking him why he only took two shots. And he just kept asking him to rephrase the question. And it was just, oh man, I was, <laughs> I was cringing on that one. And the answer to why he only took two shots was because he didn't get the ball that much. He was kind of working as a spacer and a cutter. He wasn't really handling. He didn't have a ton of opportunities to push down the floor. I thought he did a good job as a decision maker. He hit two threes, by the way. He took two shots. They were both threes. He made them both. If he hits 35% from three, by the way, that's a really big deal for the Wizards. We'll see if it happens. But that's that's a big deal. And from what from what I hear, he he's hitting them in the practice scrimmages, the catch and shoot ones at least. Um and I think he, I just think his decision making is good. Like in all facets of the game. Like I feel like he's already a good cutter. He's already a good he sees the passes. There are a couple of opportunities where, you know, there was a opportunity where he where he pump faked, took a dribble in, and then swung a bounce pass to Thomas Bryant. He really likes throwing those kind of quick bounce passes to try to catch the defense off guard, like from uh, along the baseline. Uh, I think when he gets more mature, he's not going to do the pump fake. I think he's going to become a good enough passer to where he's going to be able to just take those plays and from any angle, just kind of swerve passes to guys. Uh, he, he just, he seems to know what the right play is. And defensively, like, man, he, he's like in the right place a, a really good amount of the time. It's pretty amazing. Like, you don't, that's not a thing you don't see reliable. Like, you don't see 19-year-olds be reliable at anything in life. It's not a basketball thing. Like, how unreliable were you when you were 19? Well, a, 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 again, if you've been paying attention to the Washington football team the last couple of days, you're aware that, you know, 23-year-olds are not always on top of their uh, P's and Q's. So, uh, yeah, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, fan, you know, fans all have their different types of players that they're into. A lot of people like the guys who can, you know, r- rise above the rim and dunk. I, I don't always get off on those guys for sure. I'm always, a, uh, I'm all in on passers. I could watch, you know, uh, mixtapes of Larry Bird or Jokic or Magic Johnson passing all day long. But the guys who have instincts, this is why for me, like Otto Porter was always so interesting. Was he going back to his Georgetown days? Like you could just see immediately he understood how to play basketball. And that's just such an exciting thing for me. And this kid, off the bat, I mean, it, it, it has been that way. I mean, look, here's the thing that stood out to me. Uh, obviously, Hashimura is out, so Scott Brooks has to put somebody else in the starting lineup. And I'm fine. He wants to keep Bertans off the bench. Uh, I was going to ask you about his minutes in a second. But, um, okay, you know, keep him in his normal routine. That's fine. Didn't have to go to Denny. Could have, could have potentially gone to some other direction. Or even if he did, didn't have to play him 28 minutes, the third most on the team behind the two-star guards. Scott Brooks, that's not his move typically. I mean, uh, he doesn't always like, lean on the rookie, and he absolutely did. And it wasn't just 20 minutes. He was on the court late uh, you know, in the game. So uh, that says a lot to me that he's already got Scott Brooks's trust, you know, relatively speaking, and uh, and and warranted. So, um, you know, again, let, 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 let my enthusiasm not, not make anybody think I, I just, you know, putting him in the – you know, in, in uh, the, the all-star game or anything. But at the same time, uh, you know, in terms of winning basketball, I, I think we've seen a, a, a lot from Denny already. Yeah. No, I think so. I think so for sure. Um, so so what is the deal with Bertans? And I apologize if I missed this. He he wasn't like, because he was late to camp, his conditioning was not all that? Because I was like, Wait, why is he only playing 20 minutes? Yeah, yeah. So the conditioning is just not... Not there, apparently. I mean, he said that he just really wasn't able to gather people for five-on-five when he was home over the summer. Or I shouldn't even say the summer, over the off-season. And he said he's just barely been able to play five-on-five. And when I asked him when the first time he played five-on-five, like, when was the first time he played five-on-five over the last few months, he said it was when he came to training camp. So he just hasn't been playing five-on-five or been in shape, which is why he sat those first two preseason games. And he came late to training camp, too, because he had visa issues. Um, Somebody, okay, I, I have a question for you based on that information. Somebody tweeted at me. I This was yesterday or earlier today. I forget. 
I thought it was a fair question. I told them I disagreed, but I, I thought it was a fair question, though. Somebody said they the Wizards just gave $80 million to Bertans, and he shows up to his first training camp after an $80 million deal out of shape. Like, shouldn't he be getting widely criticized for that? And my response was, under normal circumstances, absolutely. Uh, but considering the way of the world, and considering that we don't know what he's dealing with when he's not playing five on five, and considering that you know we don't know what's going on in his life, like he might not think that playing five on like I am so cautious with COVID in my life. I am so cautious. Like I, I opted out of. I'm not going to games. I didn't go to the game tonight. I've I've opted out of going to games for now. As long as the world is like this right now, you know, we don't get to be around the players anyway. All we get to do is just go to the game. We don't even get to be on event level. We have to go to the game. We don't get to see anyone. You sit in the, you know, you sit upstairs and that's it. You watch the game. We show up and all access, all the press conferences, they're still over Zoom. So to me, I'm like, I'm not going. I don't need to go. I'll have a better angle if I watch on TV anyway. And also, it's not worth the health risk. Uh, I so so maybe I have a different perspective on it, but I'm like, I think when the world is different, I I feel like it's unfair to. I feel like it it actually is a fair excuse. And to be honest, in the 20 minutes that he was out there, he looked exactly like the Davis Bertans we know. So I'm not particularly worried about him to any degree. Um, I have to imagine if he could play 20 tonight, then he could be playing 25 or 28 by pretty soon. I mean, do you think that's fair? Or do you think that he shouldn't be free of criticism? Yeah, I mean, I think that the COVID situation makes everything, you know, a challenge. And, you know, I would probably say that for anybody and, uh, you know, he's if he's overseas, I don't know what's, you know, I, I don't know what the pickup game situation is in Latvia. You know, uh, so uh, yeah. I mean, also, we don't know necessarily his his personal circumstances. You know, we don't know. You know, you don't know who in his family takes care of and who he feels the need to be cautious around and those sorts of things. You know, you just you don't know that those sorts of things about people. And that's their private information. So, like, I think under these circumstances, I try not to feel like it's not fair to jump on. I just I just don't think it's fair to jump on somebody, you know. Yeah, no, look, I mean, as somebody who has sat here, who, who sat here for many years and noted that John Wall seemed to often show up not exactly ready to go, um, I don't want to be hypocritical in saying that I'm going to would give Bertans a pass here. And I'm also just going off of what you're telling me. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not doubting you. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not seeing with my own eyes or whatever. Um, but this is a big difference. The world was very different <laughs> when I was criticizing John Wall for that because obviously it's the it was everything that we the world was what we knew now yeah going outside I, look I think playing like just the idea of playing pickup basketball something to do during the summer I was out like the the, the study showed that playing basketball was one of the more dangerous stand you know sort of standard activities we had um, in in terms of in terms of COVID so you know I don't I don't blame somebody. For for that, um, you know, I, I don't. Yeah, without beyond that, I don't know what it takes. You know, what what you need to do to stay in shape on an NBA level. Um, all that said, he scored 14 points on sinking four of six threes in 20 minutes. He had three threes in like a I don't know 60 second, 90 second spree. I mean, if anything, it feels like you know, kind of the one question you know I feel like we'll have all year with with uh, with Westbrook and Beal is getting the ball to the other guys. Westbrook probably in particular, but whatever. I mean, he had 15 assists. Let me not act like he was uh, not passing it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bertans was, you know, if he was woefully out of shape, you figure his legs aren't there and therefore the shot isn't there. He looked pretty comfortable uh, with that. It is odd to see him only having 20 minutes when you see, you know, the the 19-year-old uh, with 28 minutes, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, Troy Brown was 22 minutes. But, nonetheless, you know, we'll assume he'll, he'll, be, he'll be back – um, you know, in, in, in pretty heavy minutes uh, sooner than later. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I, I have a Berton steak. Um, I, I get it when he can only play 20 minutes. I get bringing him off the bench. But especially with Rui out, he got to start. Like I, I get it, I get it for now, but they gotta maximize his minutes with Westbrook because that looked Bertans, Beal, and Westbrook looked exactly how I at the end of the second quarter when he was just burning the nets down, like that looked exactly how I thought it would, exactly how I thought it would, and you know what? It looked exactly how I know the Wizards thought it would look because they have been thrilled about. Bertans and Westbrook. Just like I've said a million times on this podcast about how they were excited they were about Bertans and Wall. It's the same thing with Westbrook. I mean, it's the same, it's the exact same thing. You know, they're slightly different players, obviously, but it's the same concept. Uh, I would be I would be maximizing Bertans next to Westbrook. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like in a general sense, like the way I always kind of look at these things is I like to keep people in their general spot, their rotation, their role when possible. But when you have these, uh, you know, starting lineup situations, what's the, what's the thing I can do to not mess it up? I mean, at the end of the day, Bertans is going to be the sixth man. He's going to, you know, not, not saying he wouldn't be, he would become uncomfortable coming off the bench if he started one game, but you know, at the end of the day, if he's under normal, normal health, um, you know, as we just discussed, I would imagine his minutes would still be around, you know, 30, give or take. And he's, you know, he was on the court at the end of the game and all that. So I'm, I'm okay with them not starting him. Um, again, maybe it's just because I'm, I was happy to see uh, Denny out there. So, the, well, then I guess that is the question. Who started with with Hachimura out, Bonga or Denny? You mean with Hachimura back, who starts? No, no, no. Because Hachimura didn't play, which one of them actually start, got the start? I think to? Denny's the starter. Okay, so so Bonga was the uh, the extra. Okay, got it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the other thing that you can do with Bertans, and and it's kind of equally the same thing because, hey, Scott Brooks fully staggered his two stars tonight. It, but one of those guys was on the floor at the exact same time. It seems like this is going to be the rotation he's going to go with. So, if Beal is going to play the first nine minutes, Westbrook is going to come out at the what is it? Westbrook's going to come out at the six-minute marker. And you're going to have three minutes of Beal with himself, with Beal with mostly starters out there. Then you have six minutes of Westbrook in the bench unit when Beal comes out. Uh, and and at the three-minute marker, Westbrook comes in for Beal. You have six minutes of Westbrook with the bench unit. Beal comes back in for Westbrook at the nine-minute marker of the second quarter. And then at the six-minute marker of the second quarter, Westbrook comes in. If you bring in Bertans at the six-minute marker there, when Westbrook ends up subbing out, you end up getting Bertans and Beal together for three minutes, and then you get Bertans and Westbrook together for six. And then you can sub out Bertans at like the at the nine minute marker when you when you bring Beal back into the game and you could put Bertans back in with like five minutes to go. And that's gonna get him like fourteen minutes in the half. And then he can close with Beal and Westbrook. And that's gonna get him like fourteen minutes in the half. Uh so about twenty eight minutes a game, twenty seven minutes a game, something like that. And that's a rotation. We'll see if that's what Brooks does. We haven't gotten a chance to really see how he's gonna do it. I wouldn't I wouldn't be totally against that either. I'm okay with that. I mean, that's still getting in minutes and it's it's finding a way because you're staggering, it's finding a way to maximize him with Westbrook. So I shouldn't say that that like he absolutely positively has to start, but I, I would find ways to maximize Bertans and Westbrook because that on court relationship I think is gonna be really special. I think Westbrook's gonna be finding Bertans like crazy. And I think Bertanz's gravity is necessary to create the biggest possible driving lanes for Westbrook. And, and I think we saw that tonight. I think we totally saw that tonight. Where 
you know, it's a, we're we're being very positive about this game for the most part. Like I feel like I feel like we came away feeling like, hey, the Wizards were pretty good tonight. Like, is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it. it yes, I will come. I'll, 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 this leads me to a point I want to want to make. I thought it was interesting post game, but you know, look. <laughs> In this pandemic world, I'm excited to for anything to be occurring. <laughs> like, like I'm not looking at this game. If this was normal game one, you know, one of a season, it might be going. Oh boy, here we go again. They had a ten point lead in the second half. Let that slip away. You already mentioned the defensive miscue late in the game. Maybe I'm questioning some of Scott Brooks's stuff. But you know what? I don't give a bleep because <laughs> life remains weird, and it was fun to see basketball. And who knows how long. The NBA is going to be able to get going. Obviously, that was the Houston Rockets had their game um, postponed today uh, because of COVID-related uh, re- issues. So, you know, it, it was just nice to see it. it. It was fun to see, you know, Westbrook out there, to see Beal. Look, Beal was a much better two-way player tonight than, than we saw most of last season. Um, and I think that's in part because he has a guy like Westbrook there. He can take some of the burden off him. We already talked about Denny a bunch. And you know it was also fun just to see Joel Embiid play and and uh, and 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 Philly and Doc Rivers and it was just that 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 all part of it was fun. But one thing I I, I um I noticed Scott Brooks said post game was um, and I may be botching this slightly so you can correct me, but essentially when he said I don't know what the question was, but he said basically said there's a different a different vibe, a different attitude, mentality, something with this team compared to last year. He didn't say better or worse, but different. And whether he said this exactly or not, what he basically said, said was they knew last year they sucked. And this year they think they're good. And there's no moral victories this year because they're good. And uh, I thought that was just an interesting mindset off the bat that, uh, that you know they believe there's something different. And I think that's what we saw tonight. They didn't get the win today. We can discuss a hundred different reasons as to why, but there are reasons to be optimistic. I, I still won't think they're a team that's going to contend for the Eastern title or anything like that. And maybe the five or six seed is the, is the upside and we'll see about the defense and all that stuff. But uh, they're interesting. They're, they're far more interesting than they have been the last year or two because of not just Westbrook, but because it's a second you know, all-star level player there with Beal and the other stuff. So yeah, I think, uh, I, I, I haven't been very optimistic when I've been a guest on your podcast because largely there's been no reason to be. But yeah, this was a fun night and a reason to be excited. And eventually here in time, you know, that stuff does go away and you just focus on, well, okay, what happened in the game. But for now, this was there, there was reason to be optimistic, I think. Yeah. I agree with you on Beal, by the way. Beal was good defensively. He, he, he competed, fought pretty hard. It looked like two years ago, Beal. He did a good job stunning into the lane. I I asked him after the game about uh about his doubles in the post on on Embiid and the trick to that. I thought he did a really good job making proper reads. I mean, he had some gambles there. Um, they worked out. They were smart gambles. I thought. I mean, he he was he was pretty good at knowing where his man was behind him and and still coming up behind Embiid. And and the trick is you want to double Embiid because Embiid will turn it over. A lot, a, a lot. If you uh, if you surprise him on double teams, that's that's like you know the, the dude's unfreaking believable. But that's one of his weaknesses. He'll he'll turn it over when you crowd him in the post. So I thought Beal did a, a really admirable job in that. That's a great player, and I thought I thought Beal did a good job on that. He did a pretty good job in passing lanes. Um, competed pretty hard. Stayed in a defensive stance, which is a low bar, but one he didn't necessarily meet last year. Stayed in a defensive stance for the most part. Um, thought he was pretty good. He definitely wasn't a problem. I mean, if he defends like that all year, that's that's all the Wizards need. That's well, I, all they need. Just defend like that. That's I mean, all they need. I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, we don't have to get into it again. But when they had a real team, Bradley Beal played defense. When he was asked to score thirty points a game last year, he did not. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's much more. That, than that, but just so like you know, there's that the, one of those uh, not memes, one of those things on Twitter where people say, "What's the thing you would, um, you know, if, if you were being held hostage, what's the thing you would tweet that people would know that there was something wrong?" So, so me being overly optimistic about the Wizards, I don't want people to think I'm being held hostage. <laughs> so, so here, here's one thing: I didn't watch a ton of this because I, as I said, I was catching up and I sort of fast forward a little bit through through some of the first half. 
I, I didn't like it in the preseason. I don't like it now. This three-point guard lineup with Westbrook, mm. Neto, and Ish. Get out. I'm out of here. Out. <laughs> out. No. It's not just that, Ben. It's not just and that. Troy it's Troy Brown. Brown at the four, too. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm all for weird lineups, but I – they have to have it has to have some reasoning. I don't I don't get that one. So uh, uh, you know, no. I mean, I'm out. That one was not good tonight. And you know what? You look at the starter plus minuses compared to the bench plus minuses, and you can see why it wasn't that good. By the way, Mo Wagner had a hilarious Mo Wagner game. He had to come in because Thomas Bryant was in foul trouble, and Thomas Bryant, I just thought he just struggled tonight. He just. He, he he was he had a couple good plays, but he he wasn't uh, you know he wasn't he wasn't himself. Um, when, when, I, when I asked Scott Brooks, what did you think of Thomas Bryant? And the first comment is, I thought he competed. That is coach speak for yeah uh. <laughs> yeah was not himself. Look, Embiid's a great player, man. He's great, but Bryant had to come in because or, or Wagner had to come in because Bryant was in foul trouble and he played six minutes. He had three fouls and he took a charge. I was like, those are, those are the most, that is the most Mo Wagner half quarter that you are ever going to see in your entire life. Uh, yeah, for, for, for sure. Um, l- l- let me ask you this because I'm sure you want to get out of here because you got to go, go right. So uh, it's only one game and, you know, all that kind of stuff and things change. But obviously, Rui Hachimura didn't play. Um, you know, I can, and, and Bertans only played 20 minutes. We're kind of imagining he's going to be upwards close, you know, 25 to 30, um, m- m- most games. Um, it's easy to sort of take Mo Wagner out of the equation and say he's out. What do you think else happens then with, with it? Cause like, I'm looking like Jerome Robinson didn't play. Gill didn't play. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure over the course of the season, both those guys will have games where they do play. But, you know, I can easily see that they're out of the rotation most of the time. So with, with Hachimura is playing 25 to 30 minutes. We bump up Bertans. Where, where, do the, where do those other minutes get at? And, and look, Westbrook and Beal didn't even play that much, relatively speaking. 36 is, is reasonable minutes, but it's not. You know, they'll play more a, a bunch of times, or at least Beal will. So where do you think those other minutes are go, go go away from? When Hachimura comes back, I mean, I, I think... So it's more than just like displacing bongas. Ultimately, I think the answer is that it's going to become kind of a night-to-night type of thing. But I could see kind of bonga leaving the rotation and maybe Troy Brown, who played 22 tonight, shaving down to 16 and Ish Smith shaving down to 20. And also, I mean, Denny probably is not playing 28 minutes with, with... Right, maybe Denny plays twenty-two. Yeah, you know, so so I think that's ultimately what it is. But I think we end up seeing the tenth man by committee. I wouldn't be shocked if Troy Brown were kind of on the outs at some point. Not, and I'm not arguing he should. Troy Troy was good defensively tonight, by the way. They had. We haven't even mentioned that they had a five and a half minute stretch at the start of the second half where they didn't allow a point. From Philly and Philly's half court offense looked atrocious during that stretch, but their defense looked good. That was the best their defense has looked in my entire time covering the Wizards. <laughs> like for sure, that was the best defense they've played. Uh, and and Troy ended up coming off the bench in that stretch, and 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 he he had some he had some good defensive plays tonight. I thought he was pretty good defensively. He didn't do anything offensively except for hit a three. Um, but I thought he was pretty good defensively. Lopez was pretty good defensively. He had a lot of fouls. That was a problem. But that's also kind of out of character. He's normally not a fouler. Um, I I don't know what ends up happening. I mean, you kind of look at it and you look at the names. You look at the guys who were there and you think, okay, well, like, Howell Neto is probably the guy. But Brooks has said he wants to find minutes for Neto. And there he was. He got 10 tonight. So we'll see if that sticks. Maybe Neto ends up not getting it. Maybe Brown ends up not getting minutes for a night. Maybe Bonga ends up not getting minutes for a night. But I think it's going to be that crew. Like, I don't think, like, maybe we randomly see Scott Brooks throw out Jerome Robinson, you know, come January when something's not working or maybe some guys are missing games and that kind of stuff. But 
I don't anticipate game three all of a sudden Jerome Robinson is playing because of matchup stuff. You know, Wagner played tonight because Bryant was in foul trouble in the first half. And then Wagner didn't play in the second half. So so I, I, I don't think I think that's how Wagner ends up playing. And, you know, you know, maybe maybe Gill if they feel like they need three point shooting and he's shooting well. The other guys, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I've written I'd like to see what Garrison Matthews could do in the rotation. I think he's helpful and he gives them shooting and he gives them off ball movement. I think there's there might be something there. I'd like to see more of him. He wasn't active tonight, but that's a guy who I could see kind of helping and doing it in a way, you know, Robinson is really just going to help you in the same way Troy Brown's going to help you. So if Troy Brown's not helping you, then Robinson's probably not the guy to replace him with because he's just going to do the same thing. You know, Matthews is a different kind of stylistic player, and he's someone who can help you without the ball and can play next to ball handlers, of which they have a lot. I mean, Rui's a guy who wants the ball, and Avdi is a guy who is good with the ball. Troy Brown's a guy who's good with the ball. If Smith is a guy who's good with the ball. And then obviously you have Beal and Westbrook. So, you know, maybe the guy who's going to endlessly run around screens and try to hit catch and shoot threes is the guy who's going to help you. So, you know, that's just me. They had him inactive tonight. They got 71 more games to, to do a little something extra. But those are my thoughts. Yeah, I know. I mean, look, if you take out Neto's 10 minutes, uh, Mo Wagner's six, that's uh, 16. You, you shave Bonga from 17 to 10. That's 23. So if you forgive those to Hachimura, we're already basically there. And then it's just a matter of, you know, you know, any given game, you kind of kind of move around. I just don't want to see Troy in that scenario. I don't want to see Troy Brown losing his his spot over for, for Neto or whatever. Like that to me would be like, you got to, you know, I get it. They're trying to win now. Mazel tov on that. Go for it. Uh, but, I, but like at the same point, you know, th- the third point guard. No, that doesn't need to be happening. I'm not discounting Neto. I'm just saying, like you know, then you know that I'm not. I'm not letting. I'm not letting having Troy Brown not play or something because of that. That would be my only concern. So I don't. I don't want to be. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to have a new, uh, a new new perspective on life, Fred. I'm trying to be optimistic. So I don't want to view the negative before it happens. I'm just saying, if we're going to cut out minutes, it shouldn't to me come from Troy Brown. But I fear that it might if, if, if Brooks keeps it going with Neto the way he seems to be enjoying him out there. So we'll see what happens. There you go. Be positive. Try, try, man. Trying. <laughs> anything to plug or discuss or anything else before we wrap up? Oh, you know, the Washington football team is crazy. And uh, they're also playing for the NFC East title. So there's a lot of that going on over on the Washington football team page on The Athletic. Um, you can also listen to my podcast, the Standing Room Only. We talked this week about all that's going on on the Dan Snyder front on the court cases. There's even more drama with that going on tonight. So yippee for that as well. So check that out. And obviously, uh, hopefully there's a playoff push going Oh, well, there's a playoff push. Hopefully they'll make the, the playoffs just because that would be fun. <laughs> well, why not, right? Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. So yeah, check that out. How many games do you think they win? I did this on a season preview pod. The 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 Wizards, yeah. Well, well, I didn't know what's the Vegas like over under. Do you know? Thirty three and a half, but that's out of seventy two. Yeah, yeah. For so sure. to hit the over, they have to go thirty four and thirty eight. I mean, I, look, obviously, you know, putting aside injuries and COVID related things, all that, just if the standard season. I, I guess my one caveat is, what's the deal with 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 Westbrook? Like this idea that he's going to be playing. Maybe he's not necessarily going to be playing back-to-backs, whatever. Seems a little curious to me, but okay. Um, that aside, I, I think they go over that. I, I I mean, maybe they're only a 500 team, but I think that's – I would put them – I'll go uh, – I'll, I'll, I'll go 36. Uh, all right, I'll be optimistic. 37 and 35. There we go. I'm glad you went 37 because I went 36 and we need some <laughs> diversity of thought on this podcast. So <laughs> So I'm glad we're we're in starch disagreement on that one yeah, with man. you having them at 37 and me having them at 36. Um we'll have to we'll have to track that pace all year to see which one of us is going to get. Yeah. yeah. Subscribe to the Athletic. Read Ben's stuff, read my stuff. We're doing a deal right now where you can get a discount. If you subscribe, want to subscribe to The Athletic, all you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark 
and you can get a discounted subscription. Um, it's so easy. It takes six seconds to sign up. And you can just go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. And something that I'll say is if you like the podcast and you want to support the podcast, I always say that you can go on and you can leave a review. And that's true. You can do that. Leave a review on iTunes. You can give us five stars. Another way to help the podcast and just kind of help me is if you go to The Athletic, if you want to sign up for The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark and you can just sign up there. Um, That helps me too because... Then you're signing up off of my link. So if you want to support the podcast, theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. Again, that helps a lot. You can subscribe to Wizards After Dark as well and listen to that for free wherever you listen to podcasts. I can't believe you're 50 minutes into a Wizards After Dark episode and you're not a subscriber. But, you know, who the heck knows? Maybe uh, maybe, maybe this new season, Game 1, ended up bringing you in. In that case, welcome. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review, like I say. Subscribe to The Athletic. Check out that stuff. I will have a story up there off of this game, probably talking about some of the stuff that Ben and I just discussed in this podcast and maybe some extras and throwing in some quotes from what Guy said after the game and all that. So check that out over The Athletic DC. Um, I still think my season preview that I have up there, I worked a long time on that. I did 10 burning questions about the upcoming season. That came out Tuesday morning. They played one game. It's still relevant. I mean, it's it's a lot of stuff about what you're going to see for the upcoming season. So if you're interested in just kind of getting the pulse on what's to be what's to be expected with the Wizards for this year, check that out as well. And I have, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I have a thing up with five five bold predictions where I talk about their offense and maybe potentially some trade candidates and some other stuff. So check check all of that stuff out over at The Athletic DC. And like I said, you can sign up if you're not a subscriber at theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. I will be back with a new episode. They play Orlando in a back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. They're off Christmas Eve and they're off Christmas Day. And then the 26th, 27th, they play Orlando in a back-to-back. I'm going to podcast after that weekend at some point. So like I said, no more consistent post-game shows. Uh, there will not be post-game shows after the Orlando games but Ben's going to be on really regularly this year and we're going to be talking Wizards and like look they're fun right Ben they're fun they're a fun team yeah oh I mean you know look as I've already stated I'm I'm, I may not be objective about Danny all year so uh I'm yes very fun (laughs) this should be interesting uh, you know, like I said, I'm in a good mood right now. We'll g- give it a couple weeks, and eventually, when the, when Scott Brooks annoys me some rotation or they can't play defense, <laughs> I'll get cranky. But for right now, fun. <laughs> there you go. I I I've said it. The I mean, the Wizards were fun last year. They they could be fun and actually compete this year. Right. L- last year they were fun, and oh. Look at that kind of oh the baby took three steps. They were they were also fun. They were also fun in an oh my god, look at that. Like in a in a oh my god, they just scored 158 points and they lost kind of way. They were fun in a you don't have a rooting interest. It's more fun if you don't have a rooting interest kind of way. This year I think I think they're gonna be fun to watch. They're, they played fast tonight. I didn't check how many possessions the game was tonight, but they played fast. That had to be a fast game. They were putting up shots like crazy. Anyway, I'll save some stuff for the rest of the year. I will be back with another episode next week, probably early next week. I'll talk to you guys then. <laughs>